Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. This, this message is called Lord Teach Us to Pray, and, and you know who said that first? The disciples. And you know what's cool? Is they had seen Jesus at this point in the, in the, in when they had asked this. They had seen Jesus do miracles. They had seen uh, awesome things. But when they got him alone, they were like, teach us to pray. They didn't say teach us to do miracles. They didn't see, teach us to, to preach really well. They knew that the secret to everything Jesus did was in his prayer life. There was his connection with God. That's where the key was. And they're like, Lord, teach us to pray. And so... Today we're going to look at, and I want to encourage you in this because, I, again, after this replenish retreat, one thing that just kept hitting me is just the value of prayer. And, and you know, lockdown, no lockdown, we are not limited because we pray. There is no limitation to prayer. No limitations. We hook up to the power of God, and it's unlimited, and it can go anywhere, and it can do anything when we pray. So, it's the greatest thing we can do. And, and we've got to, again, elevate it to the tops of the charts. And I, this is why I want to minister on this, because we've got to bring prayer to the forefront. We have to bring it back. We have to bring it to where its rightful places, because Jesus himself, the ministry he did on earth, the one he carried into heaven, is prayer. It's the only thing he carried and he's still doing in heaven. The Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and me. And so prayer is very, very important. It's so important that before in Revelations, the book of Revelations, before the throne of God, there's a bowl. And this bowl has incense that's coming up, and it's filling this bowl. And you know what that incense is? Before the throne of God, it's the prayers of the saints is what the book of Revelation says. It's our prayers are filling those bowls. And then those bowls are poured out, and, and then the things begin to happen in the book of Revelations. So it's our prayers that unlock the purposes of God. And so Jesus here, when he said, uh, okay, I'll teach you how to pray. In Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 to 13, we're not going to go there. Uh, I, on the screen, I'm going to just allude to each of them, um, and we're going to go step by step. But there's 10 important things about the model of prayer that Jesus gave. It was a model of prayer. It wasn't pray this prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Because when I was in school, we opened with prayer. I was, and, but it was like it became a ritual. You know, and I, I, I'm not downplaying it. it. It was good that we were saying the Lord's Prayer. But I know, you know, while, while we were doing it, the guy behind me is doing this but behind my knees and making me fall. And, you know, and you're like, by our Father who art in heaven, you know, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. You know, and, and we knew it off by heart. And it's like, okay, let's get it over with. So Jesus wasn't saying, you pray, just pray that prayer. You know, he's giving a model. And so there's things that we need to look at. Why? What, what was this model? What was it? Well, first of all, he said, our Father. Now, this is one of my top scriptures that I've been meditating on. It's just knocking. It's blowing my mind. 
It says in, in Hebrews 2, 10 and 11, it says, God for whom and through whom everything was made chose to bring many children into glory. So he's like, I want to bring many, many children to me into glory. So he wants to bring them close to us, to him, in glory. And it says, and it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader. So Jesus, through the life he suffered, he came as a human. He lived like you and me. He suffered every temptation, every weakness, but he endured it, and he walked through it without sinning. And he modeled and led a life that now the, God says he's a perfect leader. So my standard is in other pastors, in other churches, that happens in this in the circle. It happens in all of our work circles. We start comparing ourselves to this. My 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 standards, Jesus. Every one of us who follow him, he's our perfect leader. You're not going to get a better mentor than Jesus. And it says here that he through his suffering, he says he made him a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So Jesus is able to bring us into our salvation. I've given up on myself several times. We give up on others. But Jesus is fit to bring us into our salvation. He doesn't give up on us. He is bringing us into the fullness of what God has for us. And it says, so now Jesus, this is so cool, and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy. So we're his Holy peeps is what he, we are. And it says here, I love this, and that is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. It's not like he's like, oh, yeah, then there's you guys. I'm like a chief boyaka brother here, the best, and it's you. No, he's not ashamed to call me his brother and my sister. Right? He loves us like a family. So the very first thing Jesus is saying in prayer, he says, Our Father. We are coming to a Father. We are not doing a prayer ritual. Oh, I didn't pray enough. I didn't read enough. Well, then come to your Father and say, I'm really having a struggle here. Come to him like a Father. That's how we're to start prayer. That's how we're to continue in prayer. It's that relationship with him, our father. And, and nothing less than that. And that's got to be the foundation of, of, of even continuing prayer. I don't want to pray when I feel condemned, when I feel it's a duty, when I feel, when I know I'm in a family and I'm just talking to God and God is with me. And we're walking together, and Jesus is there. I can pray. I can pray. And it's easy to pray. Why? Because it's doing life and letting my Father help. Amen? So, number two, the thing that he gave us in this prayer, he says, our Father in heaven. So, it's his position. Now, in Ephesians 1, 19 to 23, this is what it says. 
This is a prayer that Paul prayed. He says, I also pray that you will understand, and I'm, I'm doing this, this prayer with a, a bunch of pastors in the city and praying over lunch uh, once a week. And uh, we've been going through this prayer. And it doesn't matter what denomination you're from. This is the Bible, and this is what is prayed in the Bible. So we're safe praying Bible prayers. And so this is what we're praying. And it says, I pray also that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things. And this is what I want us to see. For the benefit of the church. For the benefit of the church. We are seated with him. And it's, it, we are in those seats of authority with him. And it says, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Amen? So when we go into prayer, when we know we're, we're positioned with Christ, that we are, we, are, we are in relationship with our Heavenly Father with Him, and when we know we're in seats of authority, we're not praying like we're like, ah. No, we're in positions of authority. We have the ground. And if you're all wormy and you're thinking, you know, we can get into our feelings and get into our thinking, thinking, and it pushes us down and we're like, poor me, poor me, and we can go on and on and on. But it doesn't change your position in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are seated in a place of authority. You have authority over that situation. I remember one time we were really dealing with uh, when I was pastoring in Newfoundland, it was very tight financially, and um, and the fridge was pretty bare. And uh, one time, our kids, uh, one of our sons, opened up the door, and he said, uh, he said to mommy, "Mommy, are we poor?" Well, mommy's like, "No, we're not poor." And she went into the back bedroom and began to weep. And then, when while she was weeping. Jesus said to her, this is not me. Raise the standard. So she's like, okay. So she said, in Newfoundland, the kids got all kinds of dunkaroos and all treat stuff in their lunches and and she's like, okay, I want Dunkaroos. I want, she just started going, and she started making her list. And she just put that before God, and she raised that standard. Pretty weird that you're thinking that that's going to happen. Well, we didn't have any money to get that stuff. But God, favor can get you what money can't get you. And we had a, a, a girl that had been watching our family, and loved the boys. And she worked at a grocery store. And she comes home from work that day. And she comes with bags, and she says, I just really felt like I wanted to treat the boys, and I want to do this every week. And she gave these bags, 
And they had dunkaroos, and they had all kinds of stuff. And it was like, <clears throat> okay. She took her seat of authority. And there are some things that we are putting up with culturally that we do not need to put up with. We have a seat of authority in Christ, and we can stop some of those things. The Bible says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in places that have influence. And we have to take our position of authority and our seat of authority in Christ. It's got nothing to do with you and me. It's got to do with Jesus and who he has made us to be. He has made us righteous. He has positioned us. It's because of him. It's got nothing to do with how I feel. My wife did not feel like praying when that happened. But she rose up and took her position. And that's what we've got to do. So we have a position that we pray from. And, and this is what Jesus was telling us in heaven. And then it says in uh, the next part, hallowed be your name. It's a place of, of worship. It's a place of honor. And I want us to go to Hebrews 12, 22 to 29. And I, and I love this scripture because this tells us when we come to God and when we're worshiping, we are not just coming alone. And this encourages me now because in lockdown, when we've got 10 people in a building and you're, it just feels like you're, you're preaching to the air, this is what is happening when I call upon God. It says, no, it says, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. So they're joyfully gathering, they're worshiping in heaven, even now they are. It says, you come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You come to God himself, who is judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. And you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. And it, then it says here, um, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. And when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. So we are coming to this holy God. We are coming to assemblies of angels. We are coming to the saints who have gone before. We are, we are before a God who, who is shaking things up. And it says here, it says he's he, um, shaking things to the point that only those things that cannot be shaken will remain. And it says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring, consuming fire. That's who we're coming to in prayer. And we've got to sometimes shake that off of us and realize, no, no, I'm not in this room alone. I'm joining heaven right now. 
that is continually worshiping God. I'm joining the, the elders that are laying their crowns down before the throne on a continual basis and just declaring, you are worthy, you are holy. And they're, it never stops. We're like, oh, I just feel like a blob. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. It's about his glory. And we have the privilege to come to him. He made access and he made a way. It's a privilege. And he says here, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Which it comes to the second part. He says, let your kingdom come. We need to pray in the kingdom of God into every situation that the kingdom of God would be established in my home, that the kingdom of God would be established in my work, that the kingdom of God would be established in my city, that the kingdom of God would be established in this nation. Amen? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done is what he prayed the second part. So we need to establish God's kingdom in prayer. And so when we're praying, it's important. If we, if we can put some of that uh, music on, Daniel. Um, if we, when we're praying, it's, we're praying that God's kingdom comes into our situations. And there's so many things that we can pray into that. And so it's always looking at heaven's standard because there's a kingdom that has a high standard and bringing that standard to earth. He says, let your kingdom come, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So heaven is our standard. Amen? So how many think we can pray into some things that need heaven's kingdom? It's like, it's slightly lacking here. There's, there's a, a much lower kingdom and Jesus wants to bring us into his heavenly kingdom. Amen? And so it says here, um, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And Daniel alluded to this, is, um, is his will had to be broken. You know, one of the biggest questions I have from people through the years, many, many years now, <laughs> um, is how can I know God's will? That's what probably one of the top questions that people are always concerned about. And it's such an easy, hard thing. Because it's one answer. But it costs you everything. Is the way you know God's will is you die to your own will. You die to your own will. It's the only way you can know God's will. And it takes... In life, we pick up things. When I had myself and I was single, it was, you know, I, I had a degree where I had to lay down my life. At that point, I was a professional athlete, and I, I gave my whole life to that. So when I had to lay that down, that was hard. But then I got married, and I, I, and I married my best friend, and I had to lay her down. And that was harder and then little monkeys came along, our three sons. 
And then you, you have to lay that down. Because they're God's before they're yours. We can't carry the burden of all of those things. People are ruining their lives by doing that. We can trust them to a holy God who cares about them more than we care about them. And it goes on and on now with grandchildren. Grandchildren are really hard to lay down. Oh, my. It's like, and I've got five granddaughters, and they just bat their beautiful eyes at me, and I'm like, oh, my. And you have to, they are God's first. Because he, he can take care of them far better than I will ever be able to take care of them. And when I give them to him, he gives me the ability to do far beyond what I can do in my own ability. We forget about that in the place of surrender. Jesus said, if you think you found your life, you lose it. But he says, if you lose your life for my name's sake, you find it. You discover what he has made available for you, which is far greater because he gives you the power and he gives you the authority to do it. When we pick things up on our own and we try to do things on our own, it messes everything up. If you're in that spot, pray that prayer. Let your will be done. I die to my will. Let your will be done. Then he said, give us this day our daily bread. He talked about provision. And you know, it's daily. It's not, I'm not charting my course for the next five years and lining up where my provisions are going to come from. And we can't do that now. In the uncertain times that we're in, maybe back in the day when things were more stable, but right now, everyone's like, I just don't know where it's going to be. I don't know my socks. Oh, well, you know, it's just like, well, you know what I have? I have daily provision from my Heavenly Father. And he says he's got daily bread. And what I love about this is it's fresh, hot bread for that day. See, culturally, they didn't have like we have where they put all these preservatives in it and it lasts three years on the shelf, right? They made that bread and it had to be eaten within a day or two because it was just fresh. And so it was made in the market and you had to go every day and get this bread. And Jesus was saying here, look, this is what you need to pray. My heavenly Father's got fresh bread for you. How many asked for your daily bread today? Because you know what the good thing about and the bad thing about it is your daily bread is for this day. If you didn't ask for it, it doesn't come. There's things, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Or we're busy, like Daniel was saying there, and it's all of us, we do it so much because we're in a self-made culture and we're so driven. And thank God things are slowing down, but in the slowing down, I, 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 I'm still concerned that we're not learning from it. People are so just driven, it's like, it's like slow down. Your heavenly Father wants to give you daily bread. Stop. Park it. Wait. Ask. 
and, and just ask him. Because it's for today. It's what you need for today. It, it, it takes care of the concerns and, and the worries and all those things for, for this day. It, it's provision that is there that you, you know not of. I remember one day I was really stressed out. Had so many meetings, so many different things that I had to do. And, and then on those days, you don't really want to pray sometimes because it's like, I don't have time to pray. How many have done that? Just, just me? All of you online, you're, you know, I don't know if you're waving or not. but, um, uh, And I, I took the time to pray and I thought, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to pray. And we'll just we give it to God. And I asked him, I went through this and I asked him for my daily bread that day. And you know what? I had three meetings I had to do. And I met the one person at Costco unexpectedly, which, which trickled into another. Anyway, it was three things that got taken care of that should have taken a few hours, and God did it in like 20 minutes. He redeemed the time, and he gave me what I needed in that time. Why? Because I asked him for his provision. Because his provision is not only just in natural provision, it's provision of even time. He, pro- he redeems time when we give him time. And then, um, then he says, forgive us our debts. Sometimes we carry so many things, and I am horrible at this. I, I fight this because I'm in forgiving, and forgiving myself is hard. And... Um, so having to just come to God and say, no, forgive, us, forgive me of my debts, you know, my mess-ups, my shortcomings, and, and being able to just receive that. But the other thing that we also need to come to him for is forgiveness on behalf of those around us that are sinning, our nation, our nation that opens the door for abortion, and there are no laws for abortion. We have to come and ask for forgiveness on behalf of our nation. Ask for the mercy of God. You know, in Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, this is, you know, people are like, oh, I don't know if I feel like praying. Well, you might after we read this verse, because Paul, uh, this is a passage where God was looking for one person to pray to turn back the tide. He says, uh, says, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I search for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land. But I found no one. So now I will pour out my fury on them, consuming them with fire, the fire of my anger, and I will heap on their heads the penalty for all their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. They're like, "That's, that's mean. No, that's God's justice. We forget that. God wanted to turn those things away, but he needed someone to stand in the gap. He needed someone to stand on behalf of the people and say, God, forgive them. Forgive us. And so many times we think, oh, it's just my own personal prayer, you know, my own personal sins. No, we have to pray for our city, for the things that that God wants to bring for the city and the things our city is doing that's against God and ask for forgiveness on behalf of our, of our city, of a, 
behalf of our nation. Because they're not they're praying that. They don't care. Like Jesus, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. That's what we pray. People are like, well, I don't know what to pray. There's so many things we can pray when we go through this prayer. Then he said, do not lead us into temptation. Just being aware that there's temptation and coming in prayer and coming and asking God to, to keep you from that, it helps you before it ever happens. You're ready. But a lot of times we're just like, oh, I got this one. You know, we just start our day and we're just like, and then that temptation comes. Why? Because we didn't, we didn't ask him. Don't lead us into temptation. Keep me from evil. He says here, deliver us from the evil one. Because he attacks. And there's times that we have to pray that. And, 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 and also, not for ourselves. You know, the Bible says, confess your faults one to, one, one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. You know, one of the things I was telling the guys in our breakout group on, on the replenish retreat, I said, there's a lot of things I can't pray for myself. I don't get the answers. But someone else prays for me, and I get answers. Sometimes someone has more faith for me than I have for me. Are you? Am I the only one? I, I know there's probably more. It's like you've been around them out with this problem, and it's like it gets to the point where it's like, okay, I just don't know if I even know if this is going to change. But if you confess that to God, and the Bible says you confess it to one another, you pray for one another. Someone else has the faith for that. They're like, I can see that change in you. And they can pray for you. So deliver us from the evil one. We need deliverance. Many times we need, we need him to deliver us. And we're not called to do it alone. So one other thing I want to ask you is what are you doing with your, with your prayer time? How are you cultivating that? Because that we're in a time where we can do that. There should be more prayer, not less prayer. We've been given the opportunity with the lockdown, with, with all kinds of restrictions and things taken away. Are we filling that with all kinds of other distractions? Or are we taking more time to pray? Because if we want to see things change, prayer is going to be the thing that changes it. We as a city, um, one thing that we're going to be uh, bringing in, and uh, you'll be seeing it on our Facebook page, and it'll be promoting it through social media. We're going to bring our Ignite Berries back. And because we can't meet in person, we figured out a way to do it through Zoom. And we're going to be able to do it where we can connect online. And we're going to have all the churches, that multi-church prayer event that we have, we're going to do it over Zoom. Because the city needs prayer. We need prayer. And, and, and we're going to just figure out creative ways to be able to do that. Has there been ways that you've been able to call someone and pray? You've been given more time, but are you, are you taking that time? 
Because that's where our answer is, where these things are going to begin to turn around. That we're crying out to God for these, these, this pandemic to end and for the power of God to come in and, and deliver us. Our vaccine only does so much. We need God. We need God's power to do more. And I hope we are not becoming so proud that we've forgotten the very heartbeat of God. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. That we are known as a people that pray. That when people think of the church, they think, yeah, those guys pray. Man, I went over there, and man, they, well, they can't slap their hands on you now, but um, they, they took that situation, and they prayed for me right away, and they, you know, they asked God right away, and, and I've found this with people. Um, when you say, can I pray for you, a lot of people are willing to have you pray for them. They're ready, and they want you to be able, they're, they, they're, they're looking for those opportunities, it's the first thing we need to do. It's the first thing that we need to put at the forefront in everything that we do. It's, let's know that it's at the heart, the very center and the heart of God is prayer. And then he closes this prayer that he gives them. He says, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Can I have the worship team up? Forever ever. Amen. We end it with the focus that it's God's kingdom. It's for God's glory. It's for him forever and ever and ever. Let's not ever forget that. It's so powerful when we grab a hold of the reality of prayer and what God has made it to be. He's such a good Father. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We thank you that you have made a way through Jesus Christ that we can come boldly to your throne of grace to help us in our times of need. So right now, wherever you are, he sees your need, he knows your need, and he's waiting for you to cry, to ask him. Ask him. He's there to forgive you. If you're carrying guilt and shame, Jesus took it on the cross for you. He carried that for you, and he does not want you to carry it anymore. Just give it to him. Just let Jesus know, I can't carry this anymore. Give it to him. Take it to the cross and receive his love and his forgiveness now. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, that you take every yoke, every yoke of bondage, every yoke of oppression, you lift it off. Just give him those cares. Give him all of those things. And Jesus, I thank you right now that you're giving them your yoke, which is easy 
and your burden, which is light. Right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Some of you, you're so worried about your provision. It just, it eats up you. Ask for your daily bread. You know, Jesus said, don't even worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. He says, sufficient for today is its own set of problems. Ask for today's daily bread. Ask for today's provision. It's enough. It's enough. The God who holds your future knows exactly what you need. So we give you our lives. We give you every part. We thank you that you are a good father. We love you. We love you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.